Hi, everyone. We're back here to the Neil Haley Show in the Total Celebrity segment. I'm excited to welcome the program, Rick Nielsen of Cheap Trick. Rick, thanks for stopping by. How are you, man? Nielsen and Neil. How about that? Hey, a perfect combination. I'm waiting for that co-host and all that stuff to come on board. So let's talk about starting out. Did you always want to be in music, Rick? Yeah. Uh, my parents were musicians. Uh, my parents, my father was an opera singer, so it was like, I was around music, but uh, it just wasn't my type. But uh, I started out as a drummer, and um, at the time I was involved with uh, the closest to guitar I was was like with the Ventures uh, bands like that. But then the, then the Beatles came on, and I was hooked. Really, you're hooked. You said you wanted to do it, and so how did this experience? How did you guys get together, Cheap Trick? How did that happen? Well, let's see. I had a whole bunch of bands before. Cheap trick, but that, but I was always in those bands. Uh, I'm the only constant since 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 uh, since grade school till today. Oh wow! Who's in the band? So, um, but you know, I was look for the best players to play with, and uh, and luckily I found found them. Um, they were pick the best buy from this band. Pick the best buy from, but not best buy, best guy in this band. And uh, and the last the last that made it the whole thing together was uh, Robin Zander. Always always looking for a singer that could sing like that. And that was the big thing. Finding that find is what discovered you guys, right? Getting that yeah. final find. What you say? Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. You know, I was good. Uh, drummer was good. Bass player was good. Like I said, I was good. And uh, the missing cement was was uh, was Robin. And still my favorite lead singer in the whole wide world. Yeah, that's fantastic. All right. So let's kind of go into specifically how did that big break happen? Well, uh, let's see. We'd been banging. Actually, I got a record deal. And, and, Tom, and Tom Peterson um, was on that deal. Uh, we were both just out of high school. And uh, we got signed to, to Epic Records. And I was the, I was the guitar, second guitarist and Mellotron players. I was the only guy in the United States that had a Mellotron at that time in 68. And uh, we put our first record out in 1969. Uh, fresh out of high school, had our own deal and Epic Records. And we went no place. <laughs> uh, but we, we were too dumb to quit, just like Cheap Trick is. And, uh, and we stuck around. And, and uh, so that was 69. And a mere, a mere nine years later, eight years later, after starting Cheap Trick, uh, um, we got our second deal, uh, second record deal offered to us. Uh, Jack Douglas had come to see us. At, we were playing at a bowling alley in Waukesha, Wisconsin. He had relatives up there, and he came to see us and liked us immediately. At least I guess that's his story. And uh, called the called the record label the next morning, and uh, we got signed in one day. That's 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 the great overnight success story. You know, yeah, overnight success. Sure. 10 years after, after the first group. Uh, oh, and, and then we made our record in 76 that didn't come out till 77. Um, so we were like an overnight sensation and that record didn't sell well. So it's like, uh, and second one didn't. And uh, we just kept going. So you have, you have this attitude of not giving up then it sounds like in loving. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's like, mm -hmm. I, you know, and not not bragging or whatever, but it's like I, I always thought we were good. I always thought the bands that I 
interview we, we'd put together, the songs we wrote were good. And if people didn't like it, well, uh, there you go. <laughs> if, you, if you have to tell people you're cool, you're not. So you, you have to wait around till people come and, and think you're cool. And um, you know, we, we just stuck to our guns. We didn't, uh, every dumb move we'd make, if we thought it was good, then it wasn't dumb. You know, we, we went with it. And we, we're still to this day, you know, it's like, uh, we're too dumb to quit. And, and we, uh, we, have the, we have the music to prove it. You definitely have the music to prove it. So when we talk about specifically enough, rebranding the name at Cheap Trick, how did you come up with that name? Uh, well, the, the band we had before, which was uh, the, the, the four of us minus, minus Robin, uh, we, we lived in Philadelphia and we we're called Sick Man of Europe. And if that isn't the worst name on earth, uh, every time, if you have a name of a band where people, if you, if you tell them what it is, what? And you, have to go, you, know, you have to tell them exactly what it is because they can't, it doesn't slip off the tongue so easily. Uh, finally, I just got tired of having uh, like the name, whatever we had. Um, we went to see Slade, uh, Tom and I did in Philadelphia at the, at the Spectrum. And uh, they came on and Tom said to me, God, these guys have every, every cheap trick in the book. They had glitter and they had high, yeah. high heel shoes on and this and that. And I said, cheap trick. Yeah, I said, that's a that's a name. It's a household name, but uh, but it doesn't connotate anything. I, I don't think. Yeah, but everybody would know what that is, and whether they whatever whatever definition they had of that, uh, it still was a, like a household name. I mean, like the Rolling Stones, if they weren't really good, the Rolling Stones is just as bad as any other name. Uh, but it's, exactly every time you think of Rolling Stones, ah, you just, ah, that's those those guys, and it, it means something. And cheap trick means something, and specifically, yeah, cheap, cheap trick means something. It's like people would say, "Oh, what is their cheap trick?" It's like, um, "Where's all that sound coming from?" And we were like, "It was just guitar, bass, and drums." But Tom, Tom had developed a, uh, by then it had developed a, the, the twelve-string bass and ten-string bass, eight-string bass, and we just had a, a way of. Uh, filling out the sound so well. Yes. It's like, so everybody thought we always, even later on, people thought we always had extra instruments playing. So like U2 or something, you know, they, they play and all these other instruments appear. Uh, you know what I mean? It's like, we, we always filled out the sound with two, with the three pieces. And um, I don't know. So the look and feel of your band, thinking about Cheap Trick, the name you came up with it, then the talk about specifically defining Cheap Trick as a gimmick, as we call in pro wrestling, gimmick. A gimmick is like, you know, a specific character, and that was the character of the band, and then Cheap Trick is trying all the different uh, moves to kind of put something over to make it get over. What would you say, how'd you create the style once you thought of that? You said you had the other band, you put this band together, and it starts to take off the look, the feel at that time in the seventies for music and figuring out how that band's aura and reputation and brand looked. Well, you know, mm-hmm. myself was like, a, I was never going to be a, a Jeff Beck, Jimmy Page, uh, Keith Richards kind of guy. You know, I, I was always a class clown in school. And it's like, if, if I tried to dress up and look like 
like any of those guys, like I was, like I was a rock star. It just wasn't me anyhow. I mean, it was a guitar player, songwriter. And uh, so if I tried to be, be cool, if I tried to act like I was cool, I couldn't do it. You know, if I tried to act like I'm me, uh, the, ex the eccentric screwball, whatever, uh, I could do that. I, I didn't try to look like Haystacks Balboa. Uh, I don't know if you remember him from me. Old wrestler. I, I actually knew a lot of the old wrestlers because I went. Did to, you? Yeah, because you were oh, near yeah. Chicago. You grew up near Chicago, right? So. Yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah, and uh, I saw actually I saw Gorgeous George with my dad. Oh wow! Yeah. Okay, so yeah. you were the old days. I'm I'm 48, but I wrestled in my th in my 20s and retired in 29 in Bremen, Germany. I wrestled before The Rock was The Rock. He wore my knee pads down south, so I was part of the Attitude Era in wrestling. So I don't know the old school era, but when I consider anything, music and wrestling, rock and wrestling went hand in hand in the 80s. So when yeah, well, about the 70s. Yeah, some of those guys that uh, we'd play the same places that the wrestlers did. I mean, we. And um, Andre the Giant was out with us, and I was with uh, Brutus Beefcake. And, oh, really? Wow. And, yeah. Do you have a story guys. about you and Andre? Do you have a story about you and well, Andre? Yeah, well, yeah, just we're, we were at the same place. Oh. You, didn't go like, out, you didn't go out drinking with him afterwards because he would have yeah, drank you. Well, no, I went drinking with a lot of the other boys, but not, <laughs> when I was on, not with Andre. Uh, also, uh, um, uh, which, the Heart, Heart Foundation. Was, oh. Kevin, I, Kevin Hart. Bret Hart and uh, Bret Hart, Hart. I knew them. I actually saw him. At, you said mentioned Germany. I, uh, I met him at, uh, not the first time, but I met him at uh, uh, a restaurant, German restaurant in in, in Milwaukee. And uh, so I've known him for a long time. And plus, uh, who who is the mouth of the South? Oh, Jimmy Hart. You mean yeah. Jimmy? So, you know, I, so I, I kind of, you know, we're, we're all kind of like everybody, the wrestlers and the and musicians, we're all kind of misfits. You know, we, we don't fit into anything except what we do. Exactly. All right. So let's talk about, so you were saying about it. Did you think it would become such a huge group? You make it as big as you did? Like, you know, with the the songs and the, the well, you know, yeah, everything. Yeah. Like I said, I thought, I thought we were good. And, uh, and when, in 1978, when we went to Japan for the first time, uh, we developed a, a core audience without ever being there. And when we went there, uh, I found these people, they got it. They understood what we were up to. Uh, we're, no offense to the U.S., but uh, there wasn't like a, a national rock paper like they had in Japan. So they, 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 they listened to us and they, they learned from us. And they, uh, it, it was fantastic. I thought they were the smartest people on earth. That they liked us as much as we liked ourselves, and uh, and that's why we made that record. Uh, you know, we we probably played in Iowa the night before we went to Japan. We got to Japan, there's five thousand people waiting for us at the airport, and we sold out two shows at the at the Budokan. We're back to the Neil Haley Show here on the Total Celebrity segment, and again, I always like to bring awareness to specific things. And when you think of the frontline workers that have worked so hard and then they lost their lives because of COVID-19. What these guys are doing is tremendous. So I'm excited to welcome Brad Maloney and Megan Maloney and Keith Hudson, all from Charity Pros for Heroes and Charity Pro Travel. Guys, thanks for stopping by. How are you guys? Fantastic, thanks for having us. Absolutely, so Brad, we're gonna kind of jump up and then see how Keith got involved in this, how you guys started with Charity Pro Travel. Explain that. Sure, so in 2008, when, when Megan was 11, she lost three family members to cancer. 
So um, I was in the middle of, of um, checking out the new online travel phenomena, but there were no big companies yet. There were no Expedia's, Travelocities, no Giants. So I had a guy build a, uh, a test site. And um, while that was being built, um, Megan came to me after her loss and said, Dad, do you think there, there's any way we can um, help fight cancer with your new travel business? So I thought, wow, that's, that's a really cool aha moment. And so uh, we took that and we were getting ready to launch the uh, test market for the, for the travel site, Charity Pro Travel. And Patrick Swayze had just announced that he had been diagnosed with cancer. And Stand Up to Cancer was about to have their very first telecast, which was globally on uh, over 100 stations around the world. So I sent him an email and said, um, hey, we want to test market this travel site and we'll donate all the funds to Stand Up to Cancer. Okay. Well, then that got some notoriety and the local news picked it up. And then uh, the Ellen Show invited Megan to be on. We were on the front page of the LA Times. We went out and was part of Stand Up to Cancer, which was really great and, and raised some money. But of course, there was no social media then. There were no big giants. Megan was only 11. Um, she didn't get to go on Ellen because she was in fifth grade and in school. So um, still hoping to get an invite back on here. But um, so we did the test. We launched it and uh, it was a successful test, but because of those factors and the downturn of the economy in 08, we just put the thing on the shelf until uh, Megan got out of college. And then she came to me and said, you know, dad, are we ever going to do charity pro travel? I contacted Keith and, and he can tell you a little bit on his end, but he's basically said, I'm in. And uh, but we ran into one little issue, and that was the fact that there were no guys building websites anymore. There was the giants had taken over the the uh, industry. So on a Saturday, we had a call with Keith and Megan and I. And I said, I think we got an idea, and we put a proposal together and sent it off to uh, the generic email customer service at Priceline.com. Sent it off. Twenty minutes later, my phone rings. Hi, I'm Rick Schneider. I'm the vice president of Priceline. He goes, they thought your email was important enough to forward to me. He goes, I'm on vacation on my boat on the intercoastal Florida, but I wanted to call you. Let's have a call Monday. We love this. On Friday, we had a uh, contract with Priceline and they handle all the back end of our travel. And what we do is we, we, we work with our charity partners that we bring on board. And every time you book a hotel, airfare, rent a car or a vacation package, we donate 50% of our commission to the charity of your choice. Oh, that's, that's a great thing. So Keith, how did you hook up with Brad? Did you know Brad from before that or did Brad reach out to you? Uh, Brad was a concert at my daughter's uh, at a stadium in, in somewhere. Well, I don't know where it was anyway, but and he walked up to me and introduced him and, and said hi and his daughter uh, was there. And so, you know, I meet a lot of people and, um, uh, he gave me his card, and then probably, I don't know, a couple of weeks later, you know, he called me and said, hey, I'm Brad, and I'm, I met you, and, you know, at your daughter's concert there. And I said, oh, yeah, yeah, and we started talking. He said, I got this concept, and I said, okay. And, but the thing of what it was is I've, I get approached a lot uh, because of my daughter. People want me to get involved in a lot of different business deals and stuff. So I, I'm very cautious. Um, because I got to protect myself, and my family, and also my daughter. I can't get just involved in anything. If something happens, you know, it goes out, then I'm, I'm dirt, so to speak, especially nowadays. Uh, you know, so, 
so he he ran his concept by me, and I thought, man, this is great. So I get back with you, and I um, I got back with him a, a week or so, and started talking to him. And he told me about what Priceline did, and and um, how quick they were. And I thought, well, you know, they should be quick because this is great. I mean, I can't believe that we're in what was it, 2019 or 2017, 18 that. I said, nobody's come up with this concept. And I said, uh, uh, yeah, let me, let me um, think about it. So I got involved because it's really, um, it, it's really a, a wonderful thing that you can help people and people want to help other people, especially those who are less fortunate. And um, so I got aboard and I've been with him and uh, he's treated me really bad though. Really bad. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk, Megan, what have you seen since that final, you know, you guys got this together with Priceline and stuff. Tell us what's happened since then. Yeah, so since then, I graduated college and I got my degree in marketing. So we were able to kind of put more of a full-time um, attention into Charity Pro Travel. And as that transpired, I wanted to personally fi um, find my own nonprofit that could advocate for children's causes because my interest had kind of gone toward um, those sorts of fundraising things rather than just cancer or other organizations. So we founded the Charity Pros. And at the time, we founded it to advocate just for children's causes for those less fortunate. Um, and then as the pandemic transpired and things worsened, unfortunately, that's when we started to see how many frontline workers and first responders were losing their battle with uh, COVID. So we looked into fundraising and seeing what was being done for those children that were being left behind. And sadly, we saw nothing. So at this point, we wanted to step in. And that's when we founded um, Charity Pros for Heroes so that we could do events and fundraising to give back to these kids um, that lost their hero and our hero. So that's, and that was a great idea, especially at that time. So that was a perfect time to do it. Would you agree, Keith, especially what's happened with this pandemic and how it's really affected so many people and really to honor these frontline workers that lost their lives. And then they lo loved ones are that were that lost those, th those people. I'm just saying the whole concept uh, is just incredible. Uh, a lot of charities, major charities have got on board um, a number of them. Uh, we've gone to the, um, so when the pandemic hit, um, one of my uh, childhood friends was a Naples firefighter, and uh, he, he um, got COVID-19 and passed away. He was the first firefighter in Florida to uh, die on the job of COVID. Um, so that's when Megan and I started doing some research, and we were, we were finding that uh, what was interesting was that um, how many first responders and healthcare workers were, at, were actually passing away. So the more we looked at it, you know, there was one week there was 500 that was documented and the next week there's a thousand. And then two months later, there's 1500 uh, first responders. And then there's 3000, then there's 4000. But most interesting, what we found out was that um, um, nobody was in, in all the fundraising that was going on, you know, the millions of dollars for masks and, and for equipment, which was all fantastic. We learned that nobody was doing anything for these kids 
So these kids have truly been left behind. Yeah. So um, we we talk to to families every week, and in fact, uh, I met uh, Pamela Addison yesterday. Um, she started a group um, on Facebook. It's young widows and widow, widowers of um, um, who lost their spouse to COVID. That was a, a frontline healthcare worker, first responder, and she started this support group and. Um, she's got two little kids, four years old and two years old, and nobody's helping these families. They've been truly been forgotten in all the fundraising. So what we wanted to do was help these kids in some way. And um, what we're doing, the funds for these events, which we're going to talk about is um, the proceeds are used to provide educational scholarships uh, for the kids of our fallen heroes and also grant a Megan's wish um, that, that we started to, uh, um, you know, help these kids get over their grieving in, in some sort of way. So Megan, tell us about those events and then we'll try to jump back to Keith for his connection. With okay, I'm okay. You're good I now? Okay. I'm, I think I'm, I fixed it. I fixed, can you hear me good now? Oh yes. So you can tell us about the event, Keith, we can hear you now. So, and I'm going to edit this stuff. Don't worry. It'll be fun with my editing. I enjoy the, uh, the cutting uh, of sorry. different things. No worries. <laughs> so that's why I love not going live. Go ahead, Keith. No. Talk about now. We talked about the, the again charity pros for heroes, and now we're talking about the big events coming up. Uh, tell us that process. How you put together such an all-star lineup? Well, I didn't really put it together. Brad does because he's he's the one. You know, he's he's the he's the brains, I believe, and I, I'm sort of the guts. Okay. <laughs> and, so, and so, but he's uh, done a number of big events before. I went to one. Where was that one that I went with? Uh, and was in Illinois. In Huh? In Illinois? Uh, yeah, there was one of them. Yeah, the big event. Yeah, in Illinois, I went there, and that was when you had the, some major bands and groups there. But uh, you're the uh, Brad's the one that is brains behind getting all this and all the uh, the people. It seems like a lot of the uh, um, uh, people in the industry want to get involved, you know, because they they seeing some things, you know. Uh, people, you know, there's a lot of people, which I think uh, a lot of people don't know, but there's a lot of people hurting today. I mean, a yeah. lot of people, I'm, I mean, more than if we could see in the big scope, man, it's, it's, it's a lot, lots of people because of all the stuff that's going on, especially now that, you know, if, uh, you know, you're not doing what the government says, then you get fired. And a lot of people have either got quit their jobs or fired and, you know, and there's a lot lot more coming i believe unfortunately so this is i think it's just a way to like brad said brad said to get get out and reach out and and connect with people that you know are less fortunate and and uh to to help them in any way we can but i know it's it's a big big project because there's a lot a lot of people but we can only do so much but can do what we can do and will do and so, Keith, what did you just before we go back to talking more about the event, Keith, what do you do to help uh, Charity Pros for Heroes? What is your big part of the whole process of being part of the organization? Well, I, you know, I try to, you know, just um, input. They, you know, I'm involved. They ask me things. I've got, you know, my daughter, I got her to send out a tweet. I'm getting her to, you know, do some more things to, to help in that way, you know. I think when she did send her tweet out, we did, we got tons of response of, of, you know, what's going on. That was in the earlier stages. Now that we've matured more of that, you know, I'm just a real support for them. I'm willing to do whatever they want to do. I, you know, I'm, I'm 
I can't sing, so I can't get on stage. <laughs> <laughs> hey, don't laugh. So anyway, uh, <laughs> um, but I'm there for them. I've been there for like how many years now? Uh, four or five. Four or five. And um, so, you know, whatever I can do in, in the industry business to, to, to get people involved, I've shared some other with some other people that I can't name names right now because I don't want people, you know, texting. Oh, did you get involved with it? I never heard of that. And you know how they go. So, so I have to, I have to sort of be careful, but uh, I think our friendship, you know, uh, Brad and our friendship was really a little bit before this, the concept or right at it. We got, you know, we've seen each other and, and talked with the other number of times. So, um, I'm just real supportive, whatever they're wanting me to do. And, um, you know, much as I can help. And I've gone to the hospital I went to was a Shriners hospital here for them. And I walked and I was visited the whole hospital and they had their, all their staff out and everybody, and all the kids were excited because I was Katy Perry's dad. And I, they said, did you bring, why didn't you bring Katie? I said, Oh, thanks a lot. You don't want to see me. <laughs> I say, you know, you don't want to see me. I mean, come on. I'm it's like somebody said one day says, are you involved in Katie's business? I said, yes, I'm a producer. And they said, well, we've never read anything like that. I said, well, I produced her. <laughs> <laughs> and so, and so now, you know, I'm the producer. So anyway, but I'm, um, I think, uh, over the couple of few years that things have really progressed. We've got a lot of interest and I think, I think it's just, you know, if it wasn't for this COVID situation, we'd already be flying high. You know, I really do. Because, you know, we're back on in the air, so to speak. And, uh, you know, uh, it, it, it would happen a little bit faster, I believe, with, with all this downsize from, you know, all the restrictions and everything. But I think it's, it's going to take off in a, in a great way. And it is. And there's a lot of people are involved in it, you know, are really, you know, putting their, this whole thing with uh, the uh, events is, is all uh, donated. Wow. So I think it's, it's great. A, it's amazing. So is Keith being humble, Brad, when he says about how he helps the organization? Uh, Keith's always very humble. You know, he, he's not a self bragger um, by any means, but you know, Keith and Keith and, and his wife, Mary, they're just, they're just wonderful people and supportive. And, you know, they've traveled the world ministering and, and helping people. And uh, uh, Mary does these arise seminars to help, to help women that uh, yeah. um, abuse and, uh, and, and women that need help and counseling. Keith can tell you more about that, but, but they're just a fantastic couple. And Keith's right. Uh, he and I knew each other actually for Oh, almost a couple of years before we even started uh, the charity pro travel together and got to know each other. And they're just very genuine. And, and Keith always picks up the phone and, and he's anxious to make a phone call for us or appear for us or, or talk about it. But, uh, you know, they've helped people their entire life. So, so they're great, great, great partners to have. All right. So Megan, tell us about the three day event, uh, John Fogarty and some other great uh, groups are going to be there. Uh, three different places in Florida, right? For the concert. Yes. So, mm -hmm. Three different places. So we have one here um, in Fort Myers and then we're doing a show in Tampa and then another show in Orlando. 
So three great areas of Florida. Um, each show also has different supporting artists with them. So we have Cheap Trick on Orlando, Orlando and uh, Lauren Elena when the Tampa show goes on. And then in um, Fort Myers here, Foreigner. we have Foreigner. So we have a great star-studded lineup at each event, whichever one uh, someone would choose to go to. I mean, they're going to have a ball. Yeah, it's 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 really exciting. And uh, to 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 uh, you had asked earlier about how we put this together in April, we actually did a virtual show um, to kind of pre prepare us for going live. And uh, Megan got on the phone and 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 sent you know hundred emails out to artists, and they and they you know they remarkably they were raising their hand. John Fogarty, uh, Lance Bass from from NSYNC, Mel Gibson, um, Andy Grammer. Roseanne Cash was amazing, uh, Foreigner, and, and they all made videos for us. And we did a virtual show in April uh, with 20 artists, and it was amazing. So this kind of prepared us to go forward with the live shows. And uh, again, we reached back out then to some of those artists that participated. And Fogarty said, yeah, I'm in. And uh, Foreigner and Cheap Trick and Lauren Elena, who's a country artist, just put out a new album. She's got three number ones. Um, wow. And then what's really exciting for us is um, we have Casey Bishop, who's opening the sh all three shows for us. She was a finalist in this last episode of American Idol, and she lives here in Fort Myers. So it it's it's really exciting to give her an opportunity to come on stage with these with these Hall of Famers. Yes. And uh, play a couple songs and, and help out uh, her community. So it's very impressive, uh, Keith, uh, how again, Brad and Megan to be able to do this and put this, pull this off right to this level oh, yeah. so quickly. Oh, it's yeah. Yeah. It's incredible. Well, it, it, I mean, the whole, uh, the whole thing is, has been incredible. And, and uh, I, I really say that Brad's a mastermind. He really is. He, he just, for some reason, he just knows how to do it. I mean, he was a, you did restaurant business for, for years and he could put together a restaurant in, in a couple of weeks and have it running and, and uh, maintaining it, he's done those things. So uh, he just—he was born to do this, I guess. You know, <laughs> you know. So uh, he's really been good at it. And but the thing of it is, uh, I think what grabs the people is the concept of of you—you're uh, going to help somebody. You know what I mean? You buy this ticket, or you you get you get a, a airfare, or you get a rental car. Something that part of that's going to go to your favorite charity, and everybody has a charity most everybody and uh, they want to give and, and and sometimes they don't realize that if you just automatically buy this plane ticket part of that is going to your charity just tell us what charity you want every time you buy a ticket every time you get a hotel room or something it, it's automatically coming out and and it's going and it's going to be helping somebody and that's i mean there's a great feeling when you help someone, uh, it really is. I mean, that's the greatest gift is when you're, I mean, that's why people get excited about birthday. I can't wait till I give him my birthday. And when you give them the birthday present, they go, open it up now, open it up, <laughs> open my present right now. You got all these people around. Why? Cause you're so excited about giving. And that's the whole concept of this uh, is, is giving. And Brad, best place people can go to purchase the tickets now is go where? So yeah, um, Ticketmaster, of course, but you can also get them at the venue. So the tour starts in uh, on November 20th at the Yingling Center in Tampa. And the next night we're down in Estero, Florida, Fort Myers area at the Hertz Arena. 
And then on the 23rd, um, we're in Orlando for the big show at the Amway Center. And in fact, we're, 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 we're a week away from announcing um, that we're inviting all the families of the fallen heroes from anywhere, just not in Florida, but any family that wants to come to the concert in Orlando is our guest to come, uh, there's free tickets. Um, we've also um, passed out tickets to the hospitals in all the corresponding cities and offered uh, uh, discounted tickets to all the first responders and the healthcare uh, workers here all around the state of Florida and, and anybody else that wants to come in. And that website brought us again? Um, you can go to Ticketmaster or you can go to any of the venues, Yingling Center, Hertz Arena, or of course you can go to the charitypros.org, um, which is our, um, you can get all the information, uh, including sponsorship information. Um, you know, it, it, it takes a village to make something like this happen. And we really need sponsors. Um, you know, we've got some people on board, um, um, you know, the T Tito's group and Yangling and so forth, but, but we need sponsors. That's what really makes this thing. Um, you know, an Amazon, uh, you know, a, a Jeff Bezos or, or a, a Elon Musk or somebody could help so many kids with this. Um, um, and, 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 you know, we really appreciate you and, and, and the media getting behind this because we need that to help spread. Absolutely. The I'm looking forward to interviewing everyone I can for this event. And who knows, we might come to Florida. I might come to Florida in November. We'll see. We'll, we, we're we, definitely going to stay in touch. Love, we would love to have you because I'll tell you, the evenings, the events are going to be so cool because we've partnered with the local hospitals. We've partnered with the sheriff departments, the fire departments. They're going to be at the event. We've got some special things planned to honor all the fallen heroes, um, the honor guards on the stage, and, and Casey oh, wow. Bishop singing the national anthem. Uh, I get, get chills yeah. as I talk, oh, I I talk to people about it. But it's just going to be a tremendous event to, to honor all these people that work so hard around the clock um, sure. to get us through this pandemic. Absolutely. And Keith, best place we connect with you, where can we go? Where's the best place for different events since things you're doing? Well, what, I, what I was going to say, I was I was going to come, but he just mentioned he's going to have the sheriff department there. So I don't know if I'm coming or not. <laughs> they still have that worn out for you? <laughs> so, so, Keith, where's the best place to connect on your different projects you got going on as well? Plus, well, I, I, I have the uh, KeithHudson.org. That's it. It's just very simple. It's KeithHudson.org. Well, you guys and, are fat. Yeah, for sure. Go ahead, Keith. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. That's all right. No, I'm just saying that's it. But but it's it's a great, it's going to be a great event. Anytime they put on anything, the one that we did, uh, uh, the video, it was it was incredible. Uh, and as they did that, you know, they just took the time and, you know, all didn't ask for anything, any money or nothing to, and set and did all these sets. And it was incredible because you, you have to set up, you know, you have, especially if you have a group. And you're doing a virtual, you know, you're putting out there on the video. So um, all these groups got and did it. And now they're doing it again live. So it's going to be really, uh, really unique. All right. Well, we want to thank again, Brad and Megan uh, Maloney for coming on and also Keith Hudson. Thanks again. And again, the charitypros.org, correct? Is that the website? That's Everyone needs right. to check that out. And I appreciate you guys. And I tell you, Brad, I'll be in touch with you because I would love that invitation to check out the events, especially, and get maybe these interviews in person as well. So appreciate everything and continue to help these frontline workers, especially the ones that are lost because the kids are missing their, 
their family members and anything oh, yeah. you guys can do is tremendous. And thank you again for your service to help those in need. So appreciate you guys. Thank you. Thanks for, thanks hey, so much. Thanks a lot, Neil. All right. You're listening and watching the Neil Haley show. We'll be back in just a moment. Hi everyone. And welcome to the Mike Velarde show. I'm excited to welcome the program. Mike Velarde. Mike, what's going on? Let's see if YouTube shuts us down on this one. Just common sense thing that as long as we don't bring out misinformation with the vaccines and stuff, we're okay. Because that's the whole thing is get 98% of the country vaccinated, right? Yeah, well, the vaccine is another nightmare. Absolutely. I got a special guest today, Tom Vaughn. Tom is uh, Tom's a political activist. He's very been active in politics. He's a great guy. So, Tom, welcome to the show. Well, thank you. <clears throat> and uh, it's my first time on your show, Mike, so I don't know exactly uh, what the parameters are. Um, I, I uh, am accused from time to time of being someone who seeks out um, I guess the conspiracy theorist networks. Um, I'm not sure if you fit into that category or not. No, we, we don't. Good, good. So, um, so, so, you, so you, so are you, are you a conspiracy theorist? We really don't. We, we uh, try to go facts, especially it depends. Mike is really always brings the right information. What would you define yourself as a political analyst? Well, um, the way I see it is, yesterday's conspiracy theory sometimes becomes today's facts <clears throat> at the way things are working. The average conspiracy theory only lasts about a week or so before it starts to emerge. Um, I just got finished watching um, a, uh, an analysis of a, a film that's just been released called COVID Land. Um, it's being promoted by Alex Jones, who is also um, accused of being a conspiracy theorist. So if you're a follower of Alex Jones, if you're a follower of uh, Steve Bannon, which I am, um, you know, then I guess I could be called a conspiracy theorist also. Yeah, and it's always the interesting thing is that it's based on someone's definition, especially if you follow some of their stuff, but you don't agree on everything. Everyone doesn't just agree on everything. I'm sure you didn't agree everything that Donald Trump did as president, right? Of course, exactly. You're spot on. Now, um, as, as it applies to um, Palm Beach County, uh, which is where Mike and I reside and where our political activities seem to uh, center on, um, I can tell you firsthand that uh, I've become really good friends with uh, a fellow um, out in um, Maricopa County, Arizona. He's an attorney. Um, his name is Dan Schultz. And Dan wrote a book, and he has a website called precinctstrategy.com, which I would recommend to anybody uh, who wants to engage in grassroots from the bottom up politics. Um, and Dan um, gets contacted by people from all around the country. Um, a lot of people call him and contact him from Palm Beach, Florida, and they ask Dan to, to give them direction and to give them guidance on how they can become a precinct committeeman or a precinct committee woman. And when they do call in from South Florida, be it Miami-Dade, Broward, or Palm Beach, uh, and sometimes Martin County to the north of us, um, Dan directs them to me. And as a result, I've been able to recruit hundreds of new people to the Republican Executive Committee here in Palm Beach County. Nice. Well, okay, good, Mike. 
No, nice. That's that's good. What are we going to do about the voter fraud, though, Tom? Well, um, I don't know if you've familiarized yourself with an organization that I'm pretty impressed with. Um, they call themselves Defend Florida, um, and they are a byproduct of a fellow uh, whose name is um, Seth. His first name is Seth, S-C-T-H. His last name is Keschel, K-E-S-H-E-L. And you can Google him and you'll learn a whole bunch about what he's about. He's a brilliant young man uh, who was recruited by General Flynn um, to dig in deep into where um, he, he's created like an algorithm of some sorts. The guy's a, the, the kid's a genius, actually. Um, and he's been able to identify uh, certain pockets of the United States that uh, he's been able to uh, make it make it really, really easy to go out and do um, a canvassing of certain addresses to determine whether or not these people um, even exist or even are alive or or even live where they claim they used to live uh, that participated in the November 3rd election. Um, and they're doing a really effective job right here in Florida, by the way, um, of, of doing this canvassing. Now, most of the most of the news, if you can even get to it, regarding what's happened in Arizona, what's happening in Georgia, these these seven swing states are getting most of the attention. But right here in Florida, um, it's been determined that there was an uh, an incredible amount of election fraud, and it's just going to be it's just a matter of time before it all surfaces. So why is it? then that people say there was no voter fraud uh, with the 2020 election. Well, if, if, if you're listening to that, then you're tuned into CNN or NBC. So I haven't I haven't really heard that much lately because I don't I don't go to those stations. And so we had Mike, we've had specific cases, right, especially out there with voter fraud, right, Mike? Oh, yeah. My like I said, a friend of mine in New York went to vote. And when he went to vote, he noticed that his father voted before him. And he said to the person working, he says, that's not my father's signature. The person said, don't worry about it. Don't worry. He was here just a little while ago. <laughs> Fred said, well, that's funny because he's been dead for five years. I just visited his grave last week. Oh, geez. So in New York, yeah. what they do is they take all the dead Democrats and they vote Democrat for him automatically. So they don't lose those votes. And that's why you, a state like New York or California, you can't win it to one party state, essentially, because no matter what happens, the Democrats have a system in place where they don't check ID, where, where, where they keep the rolls so that dead people that died, they just simply vote for them. They send somebody in to sign their signature, vote for them. And that way, somebody like Biden, it could never lose a, a, city like, a state like New York. Because there, there's by the by the way, Mike. There's there's just a multitude of stories similar to the one you just told. I mean, I could go on and on with them. Rather than doing that, uh, you're just going to have to take a little bit of face value uh, credibility on this. There's a new word that's entering the vocabulary. You're going to hear a lot more about it in the in the coming days. Um, but the new word that's that's going to be entering all of our vocabularies no matter what you actually believe or not, um, is decertification. There's actually going to be a decertification 
move. The first one will come out of Arizona, where they're going to decertify what they did in certifying um, the electoral votes for Biden. Um, so, and, 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 then, and then the dominoes will begin to fall. Well, well, they can't fall quick enough. I mean, we just had another job reports today. Jobs are down. Biden is making everything look positive when, in fact, gas just went to a seven-year high today. Oil is touching $80 a barrel. It's at 79 and change. Um, the economy is going to go into a free fall. I'm afraid that the stock market's going to sell off in a way that it just can't recover. Well, you know, I don't have a timetable. I wish I did. I can tell you that um, there is progress being made. We're not in a holding pattern. Um, and now it's just going to be a matter of how fast those dominoes will fall. And like you said, they can't fall fast enough. But, you know, we've been patient now for uh, if you start from January 20th, uh, we've only been at this for less than nine months. Right. Um, so, you know, be patient. Yeah, you got to be, be, be patient. Um, so with Biden's President Biden, what I've noticed is he's really made it for people not to want to work right now. Can you address that? Are you seeing that in Florida? I see that across the country in places I'm visiting. Yeah, you know, there's uh, an interesting article that I just saw yesterday. Um, and how I stumbled across it, I don't even know, because it's not a periodical that I look for. It's a it's a liberal rag called The Atlantic. You, you may have heard of it. Um, interestingly enough, there is an article that I would urge people to read that was published, I believe it was yesterday in the Atlantic, about the um, the supply chain. That's that's that problem that we're that we're suffering from, and a portion of that supply chain issue uh, is certainly uh, the issue of people not wanting to work because they're collecting an unemployment check, etc. That's crazy, and so that's part of the supply chain issues. We're dealing with not finding enough workers to produce the goods. Yeah, ninety. I think I think I think it was reported. Don't quote me on this, but I think I read either ninety percent or ninety-five percent of the shipping containers um, are manufactured in China. Yeah, there's there's a ten-day backup right now in Los Angeles Harbor. Just saw it on uh, Fox Business. Uh, ten days used to be zero before the pandemic. Jeez. The main reason for it is they can't get enough truck drivers to because when they, when they come into the port, they have to be trucked someplace. So because they don't have the truck drivers, they, they can't move the stuff from the shipping container to where it has to go. Yes, that is one piece of the puzzle. I believe it I believe it, it was uh, reported that there that were sixty thousand truck drivers short. Right. Yeah, that's crazy. So what you're saying, the truck drivers, so are they ever going to go back to work? In your opinion. Yeah. Uh, and, 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 and now we see empty containers, empty shipping containers being sent back to China so that they could fill them and send them back with goods instead of, instead of sending a, a, a a container with American-made goods to China so that they can empty it and then fill it up with their stuff and ship us their stuff. We're just getting their stuff now. We can't even send our own stuff out. 
And is what policies would you say have caused this? I wish I was that smart. I don't know. It just it just seems like everything. If you go online to a fast food joint uh, restaurant, it's not fast food anymore. You go into specifically a grocery store. There's only one grocery store person, maybe two. If you go uh, to any type of place, the service is disappearing. They're outsourcing all the work now, Mike. Have you noticed that too? And this is the biggest problem is that no one wants to work. When are we going to get this? They all want the highest quality job or they're going to sit home, Mike. They want a job that they don't have to work. Yeah, and that, that and, if, and if Biden passes his $3.5 trillion bill, the welfare benefits will be so much it doesn't pay to go to work. There'll be nobody making our toilet paper, nobody, nobody, pump, nobody, no, nobody serving our food. It's already bad enough. It's going to get worse. But this is, I think, what they want. I think they want to break the economy, and I think they're doing a great job. Yeah, that'll be, that'll be the ultimate gateway to communism. Right. And why would they want communism if it's failed in so many places, Mike? Simple. It goes back to my book on Bible prophecy. It's a spiritual war. Satan wants global communism because through a communist system, you can control people easily and they don't have money. Hmm. Okay. So that let's go back to some more questions. Basically, what what can be done? The midterm elections, what are the chances in 2022 of you're seeing right now? Well, Tom, I'll let well, you Yeah, Tom. Okay. Well, I, I think Mike, Mike, you and I I think had this conversation not too long ago. Um, a lot of people are starting to learn now that you can be the Speaker of the House of Representatives in Washington without being an elected member of the 435 uh, members of, of the House. You, you can be the Speaker. Um, so they're looking to, uh, there's a movement to have President Trump appointed um, as the Speaker of the House once we take over um, in November of next year. Now, again, you know, we got to be a little patient. That's 12 months away. It's not going to happen any sooner than that, uh, but it could happen shortly thereafter. And then um, he would be in line to be elevated back to the presidency from the House, from the Speaker of the House position, being in the number three position. Um, and then he'd also be entitled to a, an, a, an additional four year term in 2024. So this is what I'm looking at. This is what I'm praying for. Well, yeah. how do we do that with Dominion voting machines? We just signed a five-year contract. My understanding is the supervisors of election agreed to a five-year contract using Dominion voting machines here in Florida. And all over the country, unless those machines are exposed and stopped, I mean, they could be changing elections all over the country on election night 2022. Well, yeah, I mean, this, this is all part and parcel of the activities that are taking place, as I said earlier, in Arizona. And we're going to talk about all 50 states at some point where the complete 50 state domino um, dominoes fall. OK, that that needs to happen. Uh, the exposure of how corrupt, corrupted those machines are obviously has to come to surface before November of 2022. That just goes hand in hand. What, what can you tell us, Tom, about what do you know about Arizona? As of yesterday, 
Um, I believe the Republican uh, commissioners of the of their I don't know if they call themselves the Board of Elections or the Supervisors of Elections, but in Maricopa County, they actually, uh, for the first time, admitted that they um, took information out of the machines. They 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 took it and stored it somewhere else, so that the auditors would not see it. So I mean, the, things are unfolding so fast and so rapidly. You know, I have to sleep too. You know, we all have to go to bed at night. Um, I can't keep up with it all. I can't keep up with all of this. But right. the good the good news is that it is unfolding in the right direction. It's unfolding, and what does that mean? Because again, I'm not seeing this stuff. If you're watching the mainstream media and not certain news, what's happening in Arizona right. that could change things? So, so essentially, unfortunately, um, many many people in this country have their head up their ass um, because they are tuned in to mainstream media. And all of this type of information is just not getting reported. So unless you're tuned in to avenues uh, of information like myself, um, if you don't go looking for it, you're not going to find it. So Arizona, if is there a chance for an overturn of Arizona from the 2020 election? Yeah, I would recommend, for instance, that you go to, uh, if you have an Apple phone, um, download the app for uh, what's called Real America's Voice, and then go to yesterday's programming of The War Room with Stephen K. Bannon. And this is the type of information that gets reported by Steve Bannon. That's a, that's a start, okay? Bannon and Peter Navarro, if you, if you don't know who Peter Navarro is, you need to get his book, uh, which is coming out the first week of November. Um, Peter Navarro is sort of like the um, the mentor, if you will, of Steve Bannon. And as far as I'm concerned, Steve Bannon's my mentor. Okay. Interesting. So if Arizona's overturned, what other states will be overturned after Arizona? I don't know the order in which they'll 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 be overturned, but I know Georgia obviously is on the list, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin. Um, everybody's moving at their own uh, pace, their own pace, um, independent of the other states. It's not, it's not as though we're, we're long past the point where one state is looking at the other state's uh, modus operandi to determine how they want to go about things. Things are in full gear right now. Like I said earlier, here in the state of Florida, where President Trump carried the state, we're still doing the same bulwark that is being performed in swing states, we'll call them, such as Arizona. It's going to be done in every single state of the nation. And I, I again, direct your attention. Mike, you there still? K-E-S-H-E-L. Yeah, I'm right here. You cut out for Hello? a second. Go ahead. You cut out for a second. Go ahead. Okay. So again, um, a starting point is for everybody to research this young man whose name is Seth S E T H Keschel K E S H E L. Once you learn about him, it will direct you to wherever it is you want to go in terms of your county, your state, and what's being done <clears throat> to correct. <clears throat> these scandalous um, 
performances by the by the Dominion machines, Smartmatic, and the rest of them. It's all going to be exposed. So, Tom, for Florida, do you see that that the good things are going to come in uh, the midterms for Florida? Yes, Palm Beach happens to be one of the counties of the 67 counties that we have in Florida. Palm Beach is one of, I believe, a dozen or so um, that have been identified by Mr. Keschel as as being um, some, as being an area that needs to be thoroughly examined, and that and that thorough examination is done by way of canvassing. We're not talking about recounts here. We're not talking about audits. Okay, we're talking about <clears throat> a warm body knocking on a door and asking for a person. And the person that answers the door says, well, they sold me this house five years ago. They don't live here anymore. Oh, okay, thank you. Now, we don't need to confront the homeowner with the fact that we know that that person who has, now we know that the person hasn't lived there for five years. We already know they voted. We don't need to confront the homeowner because they don't, they didn't necessarily have anything to do with the fraud. We don't want to accuse anybody of anything. We don't want to harass anybody over anything. <clears throat> but if you're telling me that your husband died 10 years ago, I don't necessarily even have to let you know that he voted. You're just telling me the information I need to know so I can I can sign an affidavit and submit it and then present thousands of such affidavits to our elected officials in Tallahassee and have them do something about it. Let's talk about Operation Red Riding Hood. I think you, are you familiar with that? Where, where I am not, I am not, no. Let me, let me explain Operation Red Riding Hood. This was, this, was, this was put into effect by two billionaires who decided they wanted to turn Florida blue. So they're, they're spending hundreds of millions of dollars to build condos and townhouses with the intent purpose of bringing down liberals from California and New York to register as Republicans and to vote Democrat during the 2022 election. Its main purpose is to unseat Governor DeSantis. Its secondary purpose, of course, would make sure to be uh, to, to keep all the congressional seats that are, that are blue and maybe turn a couple of red ones blue also. Yeah. Um, well, uh, this is all news to me, Mike. I, this is the first time hearing about it. Yeah. So, in order to vote in the state of Florida, you have to be registered 30 days for the election, or you have to be a resident for 30 days in order to vote. And that's and that's what they're that's what they're doing here. And because Florida and Texas you know, have Republican governors that have had a lot of success. It's become a target of the Democratic Party. And just a couple of months ago, Dominion got a five-year contract. I don't know how many people they, you know, I don't know how many people, could, whatever happened, the supervisors of elections all voted to use Dominion machines. That puts Florida, makes Florida very, very vulnerable. We can lose our freedoms. We can lose this election. It could be a total nightmare. Even if we really didn't lose the election, we could still lose the election. So unless that's corrected, unless we could stop that, I think Florida in particular is in big trouble. 
Oh, Mike, that, what would happen then? You turn Florida blue. <laughs> 